balls. If you didn't see yesterday, I found a pair of, anybody remember Zubaz? Like the, the tiger striped stuff that came out in the 90s? Yeah, over at Bradley House, there's a pair of Zubaz coveralls. And I posted a picture on Facebook that I was thinking way too seriously about preaching in these tomorrow. And I have more likes and comments on that than most of my serious posts talking about Jesus or preaching. Um, all but one person encouraging me to do it. Um, and that one person actually wasn't my wife. But um, the reason I didn't is I thought I could probably utilize that $125 better in other places. So uh, I saw the price tag and thought, I probably shouldn't get those. Those are a little bit too much. And uh, then somebody later goes, well, you could have just kept the receipt and taken it back. Well, (laughs) fair enough. But I thought, given our topic today, that probably seems like a really good thing. Hey, we need you to tithe so we can give our preacher money to buy stupid things, okay? So, but um, no. Hey, real quick, before we jump in, one quick little announcement I want to make um, is, uh, it's not in the announcements that Brad's going to mention later, but just a reminder, next Sunday is Brad's, what we're calling his last Sunday, or his final Sunday as lead pastor. We're affectionately just calling it Goodbye Brad, but um, it's, it's a, he'll preach and then he's going to disappear for a few months on sabbatical, come back in a different role. We just wanted to, to remind you of that, um, encourage you, make sure you're here. It's going to be a special time where we get to really honor him. Uh, there won't be any roasting this time because he's not letting us have the mic, um, but it's just a chance for us to honor him as, as he kind of gives a final challenge uh, before he steps into uh, his sabbatical, and then we as a church step into our next kind of just chapter, our next part of our story following Christ as a church. Uh, good to see you all in the red this morning. We made uh, kind of an observation upstairs. We noticed Brad, Tracy, and I were, uh, I think Ben was down on this end of the building, but we were the first three on that end. All of us have the same thing on, like the same Kelsey jersey on. And uh, we noticed as we got upstairs, as, as some of the wives were just showing up, they had the Mahomes jerseys on. And like upstairs, not joking, it was guys in Kelsey, women in Mahomes jerseys. And I, I, it's good to see more of a blend in the service. So we got a little bit of everything, a couple of Lynn Dawson jerseys even. I think I saw Derek Thomas out there. So I, I like my guy up here with Creed Humphrey on, you know, representing Oklahoma. That's good. So glad to, have, glad to see it. Uh, question, what are some things that make you excited? Like, what are some topics, what are some, some, some images, some, some parts of your life that make you excited? Like, here's a few for me. These are things that excite me, like my family. You know, I get excited about my family, even though I'm ready to give my children away most of the time. Uh, I'm excited about them. Um, you know, we went and watched Amelie play basketball yesterday, and I, I think she uh, scored like eight or ten points even. I mean, she had a pretty good basketball. It's, it's exciting to watch, you know, exciting to watch her play. Elsie's getting ready to start soccer. She's learning violin. Titus is, um, you know, there's... <laughs> He's cute, um, you know, he's cute, yeah, um, but yeah, my family, I mean, I get excited about, about hanging out with my wife and my kids, and um, I get excited about traveling, you know, we get to travel every once in a while, and get to see different things and places, and, uh, you know, get to go places like Florida last year, and get stuck in a hurricane, and, and uh, do all that, if you missed that, I'll tell you that story some other time, uh, I get excited trying new food, I, I like to go try things, I've been on a sushi kick lately, I've never really gotten into it, and lately I'm on a sushi kick, uh, some, I can see some faces cringing a little bit, you're like, I like my fish cooked, 
and battered and deep fried. That's good too. That's good too. But I like to try that. Um, I like, you know, just spending time with, with family and friends, um, especially when you can cram three of them. Look at how happy Phil is. <laughs> just sitting there between his two best friends in the back seat, you know, just like brothers, you know, it's so adorable. Um, and then, you know, I get excited about sports. Who's excited about tonight? Okay, so 15 of you are excited about tonight. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah, you know, whether you get to attend a game, watch a game, whatever, it's kind of funny. I mean, I've, I've always, you know, followed sports. I've, I've tracked the Super Bowl. And, of course, I've been a lifelong Chiefs fan now for almost a year. Um, but... Um, it's been really fun to get caught up. And I told somebody, I said, I actually feel bad because I moved here at like the easiest possible time to jump on the bandwagon. They should have hired me like seven or eight years ago and then really could have tested my loyalty, right? To see if I really bought in, you know, back during the Matt Castle days and all those. But yeah, I'm excited for this tonight. I'm excited for the Chiefs to be there. It's been fun to kind of see the, just the spirit around the whole, the whole city, you know, the last several days. What about this topic? Who gets excited about this topic? That's one of our elders, by the way, clapping. <laughs> now, how many of you are like, you, you jump in the car this morning, you're like, I hope he talks about tithing today. Yes! Woo! No, and what's funny is, you know, you hear somebody like, like Mr. Fogo clapping over here. It's easy to get excited about tithing and about talking about it when that's something that you do and you're generous already. But if you're not, if you're not that, if you're, I'll be honest, if you're like, like my natural instinct to be a little bit selfish, this can be an uncomfortable topic. It can be one that you sometimes don't like to hear about. It's not necessarily one you want to talk about. But as we've said kind of throughout this series, it all ties back to your heart. Where is your heart? Where is your heart leading you? The theme passage we've used to this series is Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are wrapping up our series today called Generous uh, and we're talking about, about tithing today. And, and if you're curious why, maybe this is the first week you've been here over this series. You're like, why are we talking about tithing? Why are we talking about money? It's simple, because the Bible has a lot to say about it. Over 2,300 verses in Scripture talk about money. And just Jesus himself, over 15% of Jesus' teachings deal with money and possession, including 11 of his 39 parables. Again, when he said a moment ago, we, we read the, the, the verse a moment ago, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. When Jesus said that, I think he's making it clear there's a direct link between what you believe and trust and what you have and what you possess. Uh, I think the Bible makes it very clear that there is not only a direct link between our faith and our finances and our possessions, but also a direct link between our heart and our ability to be generous. And that's why we have dove into this series. That's why we have been talking about this over the past few weeks. In 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul says, Each of you should give uh, what you have decided in your heart to give, not cheerfully or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In the Greek, the word uh, that's translated here for cheerful is the word hilaros. And this is a word that literally translates to joyful or cheerful or just happy. 
Uh, it's kind of funny, when I was a kid, one of my pastors uh, kind of missed this a little bit. I don't think he was necessarily a Greek scholar, but he would always say, uh, God loves a hilarious giver. It was kind of the way he would take this word. And uh, it's uh, that spirit right there of joy, you know? <laughs> The spirit of joy and happiness. And, and you know, he, that's not what that word necessarily means, but you think about it, it's hard to be hilarious unless you are joyful, unless there is a happiness, unless there is cheer in your heart. And so what we're going to do today is kind of break down this idea because he would actually have us applaud when we did offering every week. It was kind of, kind of funny and awkward. I'm not going to make you all do that, but what I want to look at is, is what it means to talk about tithes and offerings. We used to lump those two together, and the more I've studied, the more I've, I've realized this, those are two separate and distinct things. And I want to kind of look at what they both are and why they both matter when we talk about this today. So three thoughts to kind of go along with this uh, as we, we walk through this today. The first is this, when it comes to the tithe, uh, a tithe is an act of obedience. It's an act of obedience. Um, it's, it's something, yes, we do, and, and growing up, you know, in churches, we would pass the offering plates. We used to do that here. It stopped around the time COVID kind of came into play, and we just haven't picked that back up yet. It's something we've talked about, but we, we've got the boxes to the sides. We've got online giving as an option. Uh, so we have, we have that, but we don't tithe just because it's a tradition or something that we do. We do because God tells us to do it. In Leviticus 27, uh, it says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Don't miss those last few words there. It's holy. It's something that God sets apart. It's something that he ordains and blesses for him and for his use here. But the word tithe that appears there, it, it translates literally to mean a tenth. That, that's what that word means. It's from the Hebrew word ma'asar. Is, is what we get here, and it translates to 10%. So when you say tithe, that's what the literal translation of it means. It's 10%. And it's a percentage amount. Don't forget that. It's not just a lump sum. It's easy, I think, to say, well, I put a 20 in the offering today, or, or you know, we, we tithed $100 or, or whatever. Uh, folks, hear me on this. This isn't like paying dues to a country club or, or paying you know, your annual membership subscription to something that's $35 or $100 or whatever it may be. It's a percentage, and it's supposed to change along with how God has blessed us. But I hear, hear me on this when we say this is something that's an act of obedience. It's something that he tells us to do. We'll kind of break more into that percentage idea here in just a moment. Because the tithe does something else. Your, your second thought here is a tithe it's not just an act of obedience, but it also demonstrates trust in God. It's something that, that I think we need to kind of understand the difference between those two. I showed you my kids a moment ago. My oldest is 10. She's going to start middle school this next year. Um, and, and she's kind of getting to that age where I don't want her to do things just because I told her to do them. I want her to do things because she trusts me that I'm telling her to go in the right direction. Because I know even though there's still a few years left, she's, she's again, just starting sixth grade, that's going to click by pretty fast. And before I know it, she's going to be going to college and starting her own life. And I'm not going to be there to say, okay, now do this, now do that, now do this, now do that. I need her to trust that where I have pointed her and led her from the get-go is in the right direction. And that's kind of where I think that this, this leads us to with tithing. Yes, it's an act of obedience, but more importantly, it's an act of, of, of building trust. 
The book of Malachi is the final book of your Old Testament. It's only four chapters long. It's very short, only maybe three or four pages in your Bible. But something that should catch your attention with it is it's almost kind of like famous last words because it's the book that was written and the words of God that were spoken that come before 400 years of silence. It's 400 years until God speaks and the New Testament begins to come alive. And in Malachi, even though it's short, there are four themes that we see throughout Malachi. Two I want to kind of highlight. One is a reminder that God will hold his people accountable. And another is a reminder that God will honor his people for their faithfulness. And in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, we read some words here. It says, would a, a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In your tithes and offerings. And in verse 10 he says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. This verse 10 we've kind of mentioned throughout this series a little bit here, but it gets a little more context when you read verse 8. And that's a heavy verse to read. I mean, he's, he's just saying right there, you're robbing me. Uh, let me challenge you with something here. If, if you're one, especially today, if you've got a physical Bible with you, or if you've got one at home, you can do this when you get home. If you're a note taker or, or, or a highlighter, even if you're not, I want to challenge you this. Highlight that verse. Highlight Malachi 3, verse 8. And, and underline a couple of spots too. I've, in my Bibles, I've underlined where it says, how are we robbing you? Because for me, it's a question I want to ask myself. And then again, underline where it says, test me in this. See, I, I think when we, we look at the idea of robbing God, we need to be honest and, and, and ask ourselves this question, how are we doing it? Because we probably all are to some degree. How are we robbing him? And a way to answer this is, is by saying, what is something I could be giving to God that I'm just rather to keep for myself? What is something I would rather utilize for my own, let's just be honest, selfish desires? Okay, and then he says to test him. Well, how do you test him in this? Well, I read in the Bible, I'm not supposed to test God because that's what Satan did when Jesus was being tempted. And yeah, I get that because Jesus says, don't test God. But yet right here, God is saying, you can test me in this. This is the one spot you're invited and encouraged to test him and to try him. What, what do we mean by that? You say, how do I test God? How can I test him in here? It's, it's easy to sit back and say, he's telling us uh, to, to give us all of our money today. That's what we're doing. We're talking about tithing. Here's the pastor talking about tithing. So he's telling me to give us our money and, and say things are good, whether they are or they're not. He's just going to tell us this anyway. Now, this is where God invites you to test him. He invites you to test him, not me, not Brad, not the church. This is between you and God. And if you want to know how you can test him and how this might work, let me give you some questions that you can ask yourself. These are in your, your note sheet. Um, we're going to go through these, and I want you to spend some time this week chewing on these questions, okay? Uh, don't do it today. I know you're going to be distracted when you get home today. But this week, sometimes, sit down and chew through these questions if you're curious about how you can test God. Here's the first question I want you to ask yourself. Has God blessed you? Has he blessed you? And, and if you can answer yes, you can follow it up with how. How has he blessed you? Okay, but has he blessed you? And a good way to answer the question of how is to look around and then ask yourself this question, what are some things that you have right now that some people would be willing to die for? Or that some people would be willing to sacrifice everything to acquire? Because I can promise you there are some things. What are some things you have now that somebody else might have to work a second job 
just to get or just to acquire or just to hope that they could possibly get? Ask yourself that question. Here's the second question I want you to ask. Why has God blessed you? Why has God blessed you? We said this throughout this series, God blesses people to be a river and not a reservoir. Now, what do I mean by that? It means God blesses you so you can flow out of what you have rather than just hoarding it and storing it all up. Saving is great. Yes, you should save. You should always have money held back in case something happens. And you should always be preparing for retirement. Yes. But if God's blessed you with more than you have, it's not your needs that he has in mind. So when you ask this question, why has God blessed you? Let's get very specific here. Who would benefit directly from you being a river instead of a reservoir? Who's in your life today that would benefit from that? Somebody that's in your family, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, somebody around you. Who is somebody that you can support and bless because God has blessed you? Here's the third question. Let's get a little more, a little more personal with it. How have you blessed God? How have you blessed God? Okay, we're going to hit more on this in just a moment. But go back to what we talked about two weeks ago, the first week of this series. The stats show, the raw numbers show that church tithing is down. And this was pre-COVID. This was at the beginning of COVID before that changed things even more so. But only 15 to 25% of regular church attenders, people like you all, tithe on a regular basis. And when they tithe, they only tithe about 2.5% of, of what they make. That's a lower percentage than during the Great Depression. The numbers bear this out on surveys done by church research groups across the country. So how have you blessed God? Again, be honest with yourself. In your bulletin, there's a connection or a, a, a commitment card. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Just kind of hold on to that because we're going to talk about that in, in, in a little bit about how we can bless God. Here's the third or the fourth question. Has God ignored you? Again, let's get a little more personal. Because it's easy to say, well, you know what? That first couple questions there, I don't think that God has blessed me as much as you, you think he's blessed me, Kurt. Like, I, I don't think he's, he's done enough for me, and maybe he's ignoring me. And this is a, an answer or a question that if you've ever found yourself distant from God, you may be answering yes to this question because you feel ignored. And I think this can be similar to a relationship. Sometimes in a marriage, one spouse can feel more ignored than the other. I know with Jennifer and I, we, we've tried to really be aware of this. We know that marriage has seasons of give and take. And it's not a 50-50 split. There are some seasons where I need much more and I take much more and she has to give much more. And some seasons where it flips. And those seasons may not be the same length. And it's easy to feel like that's not fair. But there's times where it's also easy to feel like, well, she's just ignoring me. Well, sometimes when I'm really honest, the reason she's ignoring me is because I'm distant from her. I'm not the one giving her what she needs. And she's not ignoring me, but it just seems like it is from my perspective. It can be so similar with God. God is not ignoring you. But it can seem that way because you're so focused on yourself that you're not even paying attention to where he is and what he is trying to offer and give to you. So ask the question, has he ignored you? And then if, especially if you answer yes to this question, ask the next question, has God rejected you? Because if you found yourself away from God, a lot of times people who walk away from the church or walk away from God, they're answering yes to this question because they feel like God has rejected them. And the truth of the matter is, he hasn't. 
It just feels like he has. The Bible's very clear. God doesn't change. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And then a couple verses later, reminds us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let me be honest with you folks. If you feel like you're apart from God, it's not likely that he has been the one to reject you. Okay, that's not how God operates. It says in Malachi 3, we mentioned earlier that verse about robbing from God. Go back two verses earlier where he says, I, the Lord, do not change. He says, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. I feel like that that verse 7 that pops up there. I feel like that is a, a verse that could be repeated and repeated over and over and over. You have turned away from my decrees. You have pushed away from me. Folks, if you feel rejected by God, most likely what's happened is you have pushed yourself so far away from him. You haven't pushed him away because he doesn't move. You've pushed yourself away from him. Kind of like if you're in a boat on water and you push a rock, the rock's not going to move. The boat's just going to go further out into the, the lake. You've pushed yourself away from him and you have felt rejected because of that because too often we're so caught up in what's right in front of us and right around us that we can't see anything beyond that. And that answers the question earlier when God says, how have you robbed me? By looking at yourself. So go back to the question and ask the question to yourself. How have you robbed God? How have you done it? And if you've robbed him, why have you done it? I don't think a lot of us rob God maliciously or intentionally. I think we just do it subtly. And we just slowly drift more and more into this sense of, this is mine, I earned it, I worked for it. And therefore, I want to have it, and I want to keep it. And so let me just tell you something. If that's you, if you're here today, and you say, you know what, I don't tithe. You say, I can survive, I don't need, I don't need this from God. Okay, put it to the test. See what happens. But if you're one of those that says, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, I would like to, I just don't think I can, go ahead and test him anyway. Go ahead and test him. When I said earlier in this series that this is not about your money, it's about your heart, that's exactly what we mean. Tithing does more for you than it does for the church. It does more for your soul and for your, your faith in Christ than it does for us that are on the operating side of the church here. Test him in this. It will help to demonstrate your faith. Here's my third thought on this. A tithe is a start, but the goal is actually generosity. Now, we mentioned earlier, there's tithes and there's offerings. The tithe, that's that percentage. Your offering, that's where you go over and above. Offerings are where you give beyond just that, that commanded amount. Said earlier that verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you go back one verse and Paul writes these words. Remember this whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's easy to read that and think that Paul is saying, hey, if you give a lot, you're going to get a lot. The more you give, the more you're going to get back. That 
you know, influx of cash, here it comes because you, you've upped your giving. Again, we've said this throughout this series. This is not talking about that prosperity gospel mindset. This is not a health and wealth thought here. If you up your tithe, you're going to get more money back in your salary or get more money back here. We are not talking about this. I think Paul's actually flipping that around. And he's saying, for those who have been blessed more, it's expected that you bless more in return. In other words, to, to whom much is given, much is expected, and much is required. So if God has blessed you with more than you need, once again, it's not your needs he has in mind. And, and some people will say, but yeah, you're, you're talking about tithing as if it's a command, and it's, it's from Leviticus, it's the Old Testament. Jesus never specifically told us we had to do it. Well, you're not wrong. But Jesus talked as if it was expected that you would. He says a couple of different times, one's in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you give. And he says again in Matthew 23, when you tithe. And in both of those cases, you'll catch something here. Jesus isn't talking about a specific amount that you're supposed to give. He's talking about the attitude with which you do it. Give out of humility. He, he says, don't make a big show about it. Don't write your check and wave it for everybody to see and go stuff it in the offering box. No, he says to do it quietly, as if it's between you and God, that nobody else needs to see or hear how much you are, are, are giving with this. I know as a church, that's something that, that we do. I know even Brad and I, we don't know how much individual people give. We don't want to know that, because that's between you and God. We see the report that comes in week to week on what the church gets week to week and where we're at because that helps just with operating finances and all that. But we don't, we don't keep that. It's between you and God, and it's where your heart is. Again, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So what are you treasuring? A tithe. The tithe should be a priority for you. And I said this at the beginning of the, the series that we're talking about this not so you can give all of your money or all this money to Crossroads and, and you know, that I can have it or Brad can have it or the staff can have it, the elders can have it, not so that we can do all these great, cool, amazing things, but imagine what we can do with it. You think about the number of people that we can reach, the number of missionaries we could support overseas. I think it'd be amazing if we could, could fully support a dozen missionaries across the world. Fully support them or local outreaches that we could get involved with, with local uh, organizations that are reaching very specific needs in the community that maybe we as a church can't do ourselves, but we can support them, and we can up our support for them, or we can send manpower to them, or, or things like getting involved with, with our schools, getting involved with our children that are going to grow up in a society that's getting further and further away from God, or maybe just pouring radically into our next generation. I said this at, at Brad's roast the other night, I'm going to continue to say this a few more times. What I'm stepping into in the next couple of weeks here is an incredible situation. Brad's faithfulness is on display with this church and with what you all have already done by your generosity at this church. And so I'm stepping into a wonderful situation, but my goal is that the next guy steps into an even better situation because I want to, to continue to follow God and, and, and to be faithful to him just as Brad was and that this church would thrive well after all of us are gone and that those next generations that aren't even born yet could be blessed because of the generosity that we have now that we're showing and displaying now in this, this world. So yeah, it's, it's easy to say what, what cool things could we as a church do 
if you were faithful in your tithing. But a good way to think about that is to flip it around and think, what are some things we could not do if we didn't? I've, I've been in two budget meeting sessions since, we moved, since I moved here. Through the, the budget plannings where it's the elders and the budget team and we, we go over things. And I can tell you the least fun part of this job is when we're looking at red on the line saying, we have to get rid of something. What's it going to be? Which ministry team are we going to have to go to and say, I'm sorry, we can't give you that. You're just going to have to figure something out. That is, it's brutal. But it's a reality that we're faced with at times. And again, God can do more than we expect. He can do more than we think. And so it's not necessarily just about the dollars and cents that, that, that show up on our accounting ledgers. But we have to be faithful to God. Because here's the thing, folks. It may not be about all the great, amazing, cool things we could do. It's more importantly about who could we reach? Wayne Smith was a pastor. He founded Southland Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. It's gone on to grow to become one of the probably top five biggest Christian churches out of our tribe in, in the country. He had a quote that, it's kind of a cheesy pastor quote, but there's truth in it. He says, if you don't tithe, you won't go to hell, but somebody else might. And I heard that and I kind of chuckled at first and then it hit me. I was like, man, that's That's true. Because that might be one thing, one person that we couldn't reach because we didn't have enough resources. We didn't have enough manpower. We had to let somebody go because we just couldn't pay their salary anymore. So as a church, yeah, we have God and and that's all we need, yes. But let's be practical and real about it too. The church can do what God blesses us to do because of your generosity and your faithfulness because you're going over and above what you've done. But let's get a little more personal about this too. Because I think it's very easy to sit back and listen, especially if you don't tithe or if you're visiting today. It's easy to sit back and listen and say, well, that's great, Kurt. You're giving us the the salesman talk here. (laughs) You're a pastor. It's what you're supposed to do. I'll get more personal. I'll just talk about it as as a fellow believer like you all. Why do I do it? Why do I tithe? I'll tell you this, it's not because the Bible tells me so. I mean, yeah, it does. It does. And I want to be faithful to that, but that's not the main reason why. And so I I tried to sit down and come up with a few reasons why I do it personally in my my life. And and I'll share these with you. Here's my first reason. I tithe because it builds a stronger faith in my marriage. Jennifer and I, this wasn't even a discussion that we had to have. We came into our marriage almost 14 years ago. I mean, beyond that, because it's when we were dating, And we just both knew this was something that we were going to do. We we made that decision without even talking to each other because we knew this was something we needed to do. We had both seen it. Again, I told you the story of my mom a couple of weeks ago. I had seen it firsthand. She had seen it with her parents firsthand. And yes, we're we're blessed that we are both generations deep in in, in families that grew up and faithfully attended church. We, We were taught this from a young age. But it builds a stronger faith in our marriage. And yes, Jennifer and I, we have our fights. We have our disagreements like any couple does. But they're rarely over money. Now sometimes, yeah, we do have some over money. But that's not what most of them are about. And they're quickly resolved. And we we resolve those because we both understand the truth of the matter. Everything we have is a blessing from God. And God has blessed us beyond what we expected. There was a, a year in our marriage where I was doing my residency out in Arizona. In fact, we lived just 
about two miles down the road from the stadium where they're playing the game this afternoon, right down Glendale Avenue from it. And um, I was paying to do my job. <laughs> Basically working a full-time job that I was paying to do in a residency at a church out there. She worked, but it was probably enough to break even. You know, we just, but we stayed faithful and we continued to tie. That was never something that we had to question whether we were going to do. And kind of a, a follow-up to number one, Yes, it builds a strong faith in our marriage, but it allows our kids to see our faith in action. And again, I saw this. I saw my mom have not enough to get by on, but was faithful in this. And the first of of every check that she got went to the church, and God was faithful to her and, and blessed her through that. And now I see it with my kids and it was actually kind of funny. Um, a few years ago, when we were out in Oregon still, uh, Elsie, my oldest, she was probably five or six at the time, uh, she prayed every night when I was going through a stretch, struggling to find a job. God, give my dad a job. Give me a house with, with a bedroom and a dog. And some nights that order got flipped. Some nights I was at the bottom of the list. The dog was first. Well, I got the job. We got the house. The dog didn't happen. That wasn't God telling her no. That was uh, us telling her no. But she started taking her offering to church. And in their, their kids' class at the church, all their offering they collected went to sponsor a child overseas through a mission agency. And she, she asked her teacher one day, she goes, uh, her Sunday school teacher, she goes, can I take my offering to, to big church? today? She goes, well, yeah, but, but why? She goes, well, I don't want to give it to this kid. I, I want God to actually get it. <laughs> okay, Elsie, okay, we got some explaining to do, okay? <laughs> All goes to the same place first. <laughs> but she goes, I need to take it to God and give it to him directly because he still doesn't give me that dog. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Because so I think if I give it to, to God, he'll give me this dog. I'm like, okay, now we gotta we got to clear some theology here for you, Elsie, okay? Cause... But in her little mind, if I'm faithful to God, he'll be faithful to me. That's what she was thinking because she had watched us. Even at six, she understood this was something that she needed to do. And folks, it will have an impact. If you're a young parent in the room, you've got a, a baby, you don't even have kids yet it will have a profound impact on your children if they watch you do this. More than you realize. Much more than you realize. Here's my third reason. I believe God wants to do something special. And I kind of hit on this a moment ago. I believe when God called us to this church, he knew exactly what he was doing. And I'm not trying to say that I'm anything great or special. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just a regular person. But like I said, Brad's faithfulness in leading this church to this point has given me so much just excitement and hope. I have no idea what all this is going to look like in a year or five years or ten years. And yeah, I realize that's kind of like my job is to figure that out. Like, to, you know, throw some vision out there for everybody. And, and yeah, I know where I want to see, what I want to see happen. But man, what would this church look like if we just... We're faithful to God radically and let him just take, take charge. And I can tell you this, it's always going to be my number one goal to be faithful and listening to the spirit following his leading 
as, as we step forward into this church. But I believe God wants to do something beyond anything that any of us can even imagine. He wants to, to launch out into this entire world. And I'm not trying to say that we're the perfect church for that. But I believe he wants to do something special. And I believe that, that even though I'm giving him a percentage of what I make, and you're giving him a percentage of what you make, that that little percentage I give him, he will do so much more with it than I can realize. It's not about our money, it's about our heart. And too often our hearts are tied back to that. But those are just three personal reasons why I do. I would challenge you and encourage you, especially if you're not a regular tither, come up with some reasons why you, you should do it. Sit down and write two or three. See, see if what God puts into your heart, see how he challenges you with this. But here's some more practical reasons why you should. Okay, this comes from the same survey that, that was, uh, showed you earlier. It said only 15 to 25% of tithers, or of church people at the tithe. Here's some more stats that came out of this. 80% of people who tithe on a regular basis have no credit card debt. I'm happy to say that's part, we're, we're in that number. Uh, we, we, we use a credit card for almost everything. We just pay it off at the end of the month. We've had a couple of times, yeah, where we've, we've snowballed some debt pretty fast. It's easy to happen. Easy to make that happen. But 80% of tithers don't have credit card debt. 48% don't have a mortgage payment. I mean, that would be, be nice. We, we picked the wrong time to move here when the housing market was at its peak. <laughs> per, 78% have no uh, car payment. They've paid off their vehicle. 28% are totally debt-free. Now, this isn't saying that when you tithe, all this is just going to magically disappear. But what it's saying is that those who tithe have learned to prioritize what they have. And that by trusting God with that 10%, God is blessing that remaining 90% or whatever it is, whatever percentage you use. He's blessed that and blessed you to be wise with that to get rid of debt. And if you're in that 28% that's totally debt-free, you know how freeing that is. That what you get on a check, you just have. You have to, to do whatever with. You're not having to send it to somebody because you owe them money. I know that some of you are on totally opposite sides of this today. Some of you may be here visiting. You may be having no idea what we're talking about with tithing. Or you've never done it or not consistently or you're not right now. Some of you are going well beyond that 10% and you're very faithful for it. And some of you are in between. And my, my challenge for all of you is, is wherever you're at with that, let's just take a step forward. So here's your takeaway today. It's simple. I want you to make a commitment. And I put on here until Easter, this is kind of for if, if you are a, a non-tither, can I just challenge you? Would you do it between now and Easter? That's about two months away. Just start to see what God does to your heart in those two months. And if you say, well, that's not enough time, Stretch it out to the 4th of July. That's about five months. Or go to the end of the year. You pick. But pick a time and commit to it. There's a card that's in your bulletin today. It's called a commitment card. I want to be clear. These, I, do, I don't want these cards put in the offering boxes. These do not come back to us. What you write on this card, that's not my business. I don't want to know that. The rest of the staff does it. It's between you and God. And so I want to challenge you. If you're a regular tither, Test God. Kick it up a notch. Go up a, a percentage or two this year. If you've never tithed, start. If you say, I don't think I can do 10% right now, start a five. 
Start with two. Just start. Start with something. And be committed to that and see what God does. And if God blesses you, go up. Return the favor. This is not about what we can do with your money. It's about what God can do with your heart. What God can bless you with. Because I honestly, sincerely believe when you tithe, it does more for you than it does for us. So make that commitment today. Take that card, write your name on it, sign it, put what you're going to do on it, and then put it somewhere where you can see it. Stick it on your fridge, stick it on your bathroom mirror, put it on your Bible so you see it when you read it in the morning. I don't want those back. Make that promise to God. Test Him. And see, see how He'll honor that. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful today for, for just for you. about this topic and it's a tough topic for some people to hear God I pray that it would be a challenge for all of us because it's no different than the other challenges you give us God I pray for those today who who, maybe they're new here maybe they're new to to you in general God touch their hearts show them who you are show them what you mean to them show them what they mean to you God, for those who who have been here and faithful and consistent for years, God, I'm so grateful for them. Grateful for you already showing them how to be generous and how to be faithful. God, I pray for all of us that none of us would ever be content to just settle into things are good. We would instead look around it and above all, we would be generous with what you've given us. We would bless others bless the church, we would bless your kingdom as you blessed us. God, we would be just yearning for more and more of you. God, we're so grateful for your son. We pray today in his name.